So on Sunday nights, um, we're doing this thing called Team Concept and Leadership. And really, we started last week, and the whole idea of this is that just to meet with whoever wants to come, but really just to to consolidate and com- compact our core and so that we can do some just basic teaching and training on things that we as a church and a staff, growing staff, are going to face. And last week we talked about unity. I have the notes for that class. If you'd like that, I can print them out and bring them next time. Uh, And this week, tonight, I want to just discuss how to deal with conflict, handling conflict. And we have a podcast. This is going online, and there's a lot of people listening to this. So... um, you know, most churches fold and falter. Um, I think that there's probably between seven to ten different reasons why churches fail and why they split. And some reasons are pretty obvious. Some reasons are just a lack of wisdom. And then there's just some reasons because of um, a breakdown of unity based on conflict. And uh, we talked last week about unity and I don't want to necessarily go over that again, but, um, you know, on Sundays and Sunday mornings, we're, we're dealing with a crowd that is uh, really the Sunday morning crowd, and their capacity sometimes for teaching is a lot less. And so um, we're dealing with, on Sundays, a lot of times just um, there is teaching, but there is mo- a lot of devotional, there's a lot of inspirational and there's a lot of teaching about inner the inner life and encouragement and uh, our thinking and but Sunday nights and Wednesday nights you know this the time the the purpose is really just to teach so that we can mature and and I don't really I don't want us to be thinking well he's saying this because he sees that there's a problem I don't see a problem with conflicts here and I said, I texted Aggie, and I said, Aggie, come tonight, we're going to be talking about conflicts. And I thought after, so I, oh, Aggie's going to be thinking that I'm especially inviting her to this because I no, think... I'm thinking he's going to tell us something about <laughs> So this has nothing to do with... Yeah, okay, but this te- the teaching here is, has nothing to do with what's going on. It, it's, it's nothing to do with what's going in your ho- on in your house. Don, I mean, I'm not, it not, I'm not talking about, because we all have conflict. We have all conf, we all have conflicts in our families. Just go to one of our, one of our, except for my family, there's zero conflicts. We just, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I got an amazing brother, by the way, as you, as you can see. Um, he came on, on, on my team to Ukraine, and, you know, he and I would meet together and talk, and he'd call me Pastor Chris. I'm like, Jay, what do you? Don't call me Pastor Chris. I'm your brother. It's just us here. It's just—he's just such a pure and amazing guy. And um, yeah. and uh, but you know, so I none of the these what we're dealing here is not about with what's going on in people's personal life in your houses or or what's. But I just but this is really tailored to church ministry team um, chemistry, and a lot of this stuff is just preventive medicine, if we could call it that, and just um, things that uh, you're going to hear, you're going to process, and then when these 
times do come, when trials do come, you're going to be like, oh, I remember this principle about this, handling conflict. And so um, a lot of organizations, and if you go, I mean, at your workplaces, uh, I've just, I've just, I remember when I was working in different places and I just would walk in and shake my head like, I remember working for this financial group in, in, in Bel Air, Maryland, fin Hartford Financial Group, and I was in there and I mean, it was a professional place. The place was just immaculate, really nice. You walk in. It's a very impressive place to walk into. And, but the people were like children. Mm -hmm. it, was like, it was like kindergarten, oh Ki you know, getting angry and throwing, throwing crayons at each other. And it was just like, <laughs> this is like, this was bananas. I thought if clients would come in, go into the conference room, sit down, you'd meet with them. And I'd, sometimes I thought, you know, because you got to dress up. And I thought, if these people only knew what was going on in these offices, <laughs> they would they would run for their lives because it was just so much childness going on. And I, we know that it happens really everywhere in a lot now of places. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought, I said to my boss one time, I said, you know what, Greater Grace, or any Christian that knows any kind of teaching principles from the Bible, could write a book on personnel and HR, you know, and. Mm -hmm. And so I just, me and some other guys, we were all going to the same, in the same church uh, working there. And we would just, you know, I remember one time in the office, and you know how office talk goes, the office chatter, people start talking about stuff and UFOs and aliens and all that crazy, you know, like crazy, oh, yeah. you know, all these crazy gossips that are going on. And one time I was in my office and we, I shared an office with a couple other guys and I'm just doing my work and... And then there's this conversation that starts about the end days and aliens coming and, and uh, um, snatching up people from the earth and, you know, the Antichrist and, you know, all of these crazy. And, and I'm there working, and I, I was like, okay, that's it. I, I, I got up and I said, guys, I said, would you guys really like to know what the Bible says about the last days, the last seven years on earth? And they were, like, surprised. There were, like, maybe four or five of them, and I think we were like, yeah. So I closed the door. I said, I'm going to need 15 minutes of your undivided attention. I'm just going to tell you. It's so funny. So I closed the door, and I just said, I just for 15 minutes just went through the last days of the biblical, you know, the biblical, the biblical uh, timeline. And it was just amazing because it just, you know, the opportunity to share with people and to confront some of the office chatter that goes on sometimes and you know, I wasn't really anybody. I was just a loan officer in that in that office there, and and it's just really amazing because in our offices and people's homes, on the street, on the road, and shopping centers, people just don't know how to handle conflict. We don't naturally know how to handle conflict, and you can sometimes see a situation where you see two people in a conflict, and it's escalating, and it's going to just you know how it's going to end, and. So in the church, on our team and in what we do, um, we want to be people that are people that really know how to deal with conflict because Jesus really knew how to deal with it, and Paul knew how to deal with it. And in the ministry, in the church, we're dealing with, and all of us have fallen natures, but one of the things that happens in churches is, is that Although it's amazing and the fellowship is glorious and amazing things happen and lives are changed, 
you also have the very messy part of it. That church life can be kind of messy, and you sometimes see the side of people that's kind of disturbing. <laughs> you can see the jackal and the hide, you know, and sometimes you see the monster, and you're like, whoa, I didn't want to see that. I don't want to know that about people. And so I just want to just for a few minutes talk about this. If we could turn to Psalm 119, verse 165. Psalm chapter 119, 165. And we'll talk about how to handle conflict. There's seven ways that we handle conflict when we see it, whether with ourselves or if you stumble into a situation where you have two parties in conflict. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall what? Yeah, they will inherit the earth. And so being a peacemaker, a person that knows how to handle conflict, brings you to a place of just great oversight. Do you know? If you and I can learn how to deal with conflict and deal with situations that are just getting out of control, then these are we are going to become the kind of people that have... Um, a measure of authority, and people will trust us. And uh, today we have, over there in Iran, we have our state, state, um, what's his name? Uh, John Kerry, state, I should, why do I forget? Secretary of State. He's over there, and he's working on some peace agreements with Iran, which is a very controversial discussion right now, but, you know, but why is he there? He's doing that because that's what he does. And so, although we wouldn't maybe agree with the way some people do it, um, but anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. It says in Psalm 119, 165, it says this. It says, um, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, in, in, one, in the New King James Version, it says, Nothing will cause them to stumble. And this is really what we want to start at, is that, um, being a peacemaker or knowing how to handle conflict is, first of all, knowing how to rule over ourselves. And this is going to happen, you know, we're going to be sometimes having events, there may be a clash of ideas or a clash of opinions, somebody may get insecure, feel threatened, and they may lash out, and that, that hurts somebody, and that actually creates a schism in the church or on the team. And so we want, to, we want to avoid this. I read this quote today by Charlie Brown. You know, Charlie Brown, Peanuts. He said this, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that? That was such a great, I mean, you know, churches can be that way. Like, we love the world. And then inside their church, it's just like massacre of just relationship problems. And... Charlie Brown really had a good point. Relationships with other human beings are wonderful in theory. In reality, they can be very difficult and very messy. Nothing really determines our spirituality more in life as much as our ability to work with other people. Nothing is more messy in relationships than dealing with conflict. So... A good question to ask tonight is how many of you have ever experienced conflict with people that you're working with, whether in the church or at job? Or uh, So let me just say a couple points about conflict that, first of all, um, people pleasers, you know who they are, right? The people pleasers, the Bible calls them men pleasers. People pleasers always avoid conflict. And so 
uh, in the ministry, the, the issue is not to run away from conflict because in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul had a really godly eagerness and uh, readiness for, for godly conflict. He didn't shy away from the, the right kind of conflict, as we can see in the book of Acts. And, G, and, 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 and Paul called it the good fight of faith. So as a Christian, we're going to find ourselves at time in places of conflict where you believe something, and that's in conflict with somebody else. And what the, But what a man-pleaser does, or someone who doesn't understand how to handle conflict, they will either go on the offense and just attack, or they'll back off when they really shouldn't be backing off. They should really stand their ground and say, look, this is where I want to stand. I want to stand in this, and this is what is right. And so this produces a conflict, and... Jesus did not also shy away from conflict. He was no stranger to conflict and controversy. Um, the Bible actually tells us that the godly will suffer persecution. So if you and I have convictions in our life about things, we are going to suffer controversy. Uh, people may talk about you or talk about us or talk about your church that you go to because they, they have some controversial convictions about things. And so uh, if we are, if we are everybody's friend and we share shy away from any type of conviction in our life, then we are not the salt of the earth, and we are just pushovers. And nobody respects that. Nobody will respect that at all. So there's four areas that conflict can happen. Um, it can be ideological, which is a big word that just means concepts. A person's ideology or their concept or um, the, the theory of the way things should be done. This is their ideological. There could be a conflict about how to do that. Another area that conflict takes place is more on a philosoph philosophical way, meaning the way we do things. Like um, uh, people may have a conflict about the way something should be done. Um, the third way that a third area that um, conflict can take place is an institutional, meaning an organization. Somebody may have a conflict with an organization. I don't agree with that organization. What they did, they fired all of us, and we were just about ready to get our pension. You know, We were about to ready to, to retire, and they fired us all, and so I have a conflict with the institution. And then fourthly is something that is all well too known to us, and that is conflict with persons. So let's talk about how to deal with conflict when it arises. And I, I do want to say that some of the material that I'm using here is from uh, John Maxwell. Not all of it, um, just some of it. Some of the material is stuff that I've developed over the years. And um, so, so when conflict arises, what is the thing that we want to do? Well, we first of all want to understand it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Um, being a Christian does not mean that I'm going to be living a, a conflict-free life. Actually, when my dad got saved, life was good until my dad got saved. Then everything started happening in the family. We had lots of interesting things happening, and conflict began, not within the family, but um, sometimes it did, but uh, mostly from without. And the key with dealing with conflict is, is that in spite of our best efforts, we're all going to have conflict at some point with people because they are not just like us. 
they have different personalities, they have different perspectives, different desires, and so there's going to be disagreements and misunderstandings with people, and that's going to happen. That will happen in the church. That'll happen with you. That'll happen. Uh, that's something that we have to be ready for. Like, okay, I misunderstood what the pastor just said, and now I'm, I'm not feeling good about that. And so we got to be we got to be ready for that, and uh, not be blindsided. So rather than running from conflict or running in with our dukes up, um, or reacting with horror when it comes up. We really need to focus on resolving the conflict together and making it a learning experience. And that's what's great about conflicts is that there's always a fun story to tell about it later, you know? <laughs> you know, like, wow, do you remember that? I mean, during the conflict, it's not fun, but later on, it's a, it's a, hopefully it's going to be, if things can get resolved, it'll be a humorous story to talk about, a learning experience, rather than something that gives us ulcers or keeps us up at night. So I just want to quickly go through, there's seven ways to deal with conflict, seven ways that we can deal with it, and some have different, different numbers of the ways to deal with it. I came up with seven, so number one, it really begins with our attitude and our disposition. Um, and I'm going to, would you like these notes on the screen while I'm doing this? Let's do this. So number one is going to be attitude and... Disposition. Disposition means my my mindset, the way I am disposed in the matter, uh, my attitude, and we just uh, put this up here. Should be coming up in a second. So that's number one, um, my attitude and disposition. And so these are probably going to be very small. I don't know if I can, that may be too small for you to read. Can you see that? No. <laughs> All right, well. I'll just leave it there for now. So, Okay, number one, attitude and disposition. The key in any conflict, and, and really I want to start off with us first before we try to deal with conflict. The key to any conflict is having thick skin and a soft heart. And that means that we never, never, ever take anything personal. That's the first, that's rule number one in a conflict, that many times people will come to you and I, and they may yell at you or may, may treat you rudely or the way they come across may be like, wow, what is his problem? But it, the thing is, is really that it's don't ever take it personally because nine, out of, nine times out of ten, people are not talking to you. They're talking to their stressful situation. They're talking to their, their, uh, someone in their life that they're having a relationship crisis with. So don't take it personally. That's rule number one. Don't get surprised when something happens. Never, ever take it personally. Um, as a matter of fact, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said that everyone can benefit from a stinging critic in their life. So if you have a stinging critic in your life, uh, that may actually be someone that God has allowed in your life. And 
I say that because God allows these stinging critics in our life to really keep us humble and to also help us learn. Although we don't want to be learning in the state of just being degraded and humiliated because God doesn't teach that way. God doesn't teach us through degradation and humiliation. God teaches us through his gracious, kind word. But if someone is saying something to me, I first want to ask myself, I'm not going to take this personal. And number two, I want to just say, is what they're saying true? Do I need to change something here? And then uh, no matter how they communicate it, I want to hear from Remember how David was, was walking along, and then there was a man, his name was Abishai, I believe, and he started throwing ro- rocks and dirt at David. Remember that? And he was cursing David, and he was yelling at David, and, and uh, being very disrespectful to the king of Israel. And David's men wanted to go and just kill the guy immediately. So David, just tell us the word, we'll go over and just take his head right off. David said, no, it could be that God is speaking through him. And I think this is a good attitude to have that, although we don't want to be brought low and destroyed by our critics, we want to just ask ourselves the question, is what they're saying something that can benefit me? So number one is really our attitude and our, 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 our disposition. We also want to ask our question, ourselves a question. Um, it's been said that if Joe has a problem with Paul, and Joe has a problem with Karen, and Joe has a problem with Sam, then maybe who has the problem? Joe, right? Okay. So if there's someone that's having a problem with everybody, and they're coming to you, or if you're Joe, if you're Joe, and you're having a problem, maybe the good question to ask is, wait a minute, maybe I need to look in the mirror and just see is the problem really beginning with me? So that's number one, is our attitude. When we approach a conflict, the first thing we want to understand is never take it personally. If your kids yell at you, if your wife or husband yells at you, don't take it personally. I mean, it's hard. It's heart, it's heart-wrenching when you have your kid yell at you and you just feel like, you know, you just feel like a pile of dirt in the parking lot. But that's not who you and I are, who we are in Christ. If your boss yells at you, you know, in front of everybody... Thick skin, soft heart. That's really, these are things that are going to take us a lifetime to learn. So number two, the second way we deal with conflict is what John Maxwell calls the 101, the 101% principle. 101% principle. Meaning that I find the 1% that I am one with another person on and I give that 100% attention to keep the unity. So when there's a conflict of ideas or ideology or conflict with the institution or another person, then I want to sit down with the person and say, look, here's where we agree on. Let's start here. Because there's, I don't remember who said, I think it was Whitfield said this, that there's more discussion about disagreement than really where we stand in agreement on. And so what we need to do in a conflict is, suppose there's an event going on in the church or something, and... You and someone else are working together, and there's a conflict of ideas. And you really feel that what your idea is the way it should go, because last time it didn't go well, so now let's change it to do it this way. And, and the, the person you're working with, you know, and, and maybe there's not someone there to mediate or to, to console the situation. So the first place we want to go is the 101% principle that 1% that you and I agree on, let's start from there. Let's make that our base. And it could be just this. 
you and I are born again brothers in the Lord. You know, that's where we start. <laughs> that's where we begin. And this is the first and the best response when a conflict emerges in relationship is where do we actively search for the areas where we already agree and begin from that standpoint. This is the quickest way to move toward to a resolution. I think sometimes when our egos are huge and we're walking around with these mega egos and we sit down and work with somebody else, that's why God has chosen to have us work together because iron sharpens iron and we kind of keep ourselves working with each other in check and what will happen is, is that we grow in the matter. So the key is, is really to work from the standpoint of unity, which we talked about last week. This is really where we want to start. Um, and here's a good question. You know, Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, in the matters of principle, stand like a rock. In the matters of preference or taste, swim with the current. What that means is that there are some things that we really stand our ground on, matters of principle, right? There's things about what we believe in the Bible and principles that we don't really want to, personal principles that we don't want to compromise. But then there's other matters of taste or preference or, um, you know, that are not principles. And those are things that kind of like we don't need to stand our ground and uh, make such a big issue about. And I always joke about this, but the color of the curtains, you know, that's a matter of taste. And we don't want to have a church split over the matter, uh, over the over the color of the curtains, you know, like, what happened to your church? Well, somebody wanted green curtains and somebody wanted white curtains and we had a church split. I mean, that's a matter of not principle, but that's a matter of taste, right? So um, there's two really important questions we want to ask ourselves. Number one, does this really matter what we're talking about? Like, is this conflict is this problem that we're having, is this so important that it makes a huge difference? And number two, what, am I going to care about this tomorrow? Is this going to be a, a long-term issue? And so if the answer is no, then perhaps really we can make some kind of a compromise on our position. And so the point here that we're making is that we want to love people more than our opinions. We want to love people more than our own opinions. And sometimes my opinion is going to have to take a back seat because people are more important, you know. Uh, and sometimes we have to make, a, make that adjustment because people are really more important. And, uh, and my opinion just goes in, you know, in the back seat. Now, in the matter of principle, there are some things that we never will, we're never going to change our principle, our conviction, our stand on that. But there are some things that our opinions may have to take a back seat. And so, really, anyone who loves opinions more than his friends will defend his opinions and destroy his friends. So focus on the relationship over and above the issue, and we'll always have lines of communication open. So do you see what I'm following? You know what I'm saying? Following what I'm saying? So that's number two, the 101% principle. Like if there is a conflict, check your attitude. Make sure you got tough skin but a soft heart. And then number two, go in with the like the idea, hey, this is where we are meeting at. This is where we are one at. And it may be just one thing out of a hundred, but this is where we meet. I mean, this is where we agree, and then we can just go from there. Um, uh, the Next thing here, and actually it's not seven, it's six. 
the next thing here is give the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, this is uh, number three. Sorry. Did I say four? I can't count. <laughs> Actually, um, number three is um, love people more than opinions. That's number three. Okay? Number four, give the benefit of the doubt. Give the benefit of the doubt. When you meet someone... Um, there may be pressure, and maybe you feel, th maybe we feel threatened, maybe we feel hurt, and we're going to talk to somebody. Always go to the meeting with the benefit of the doubt, you know. Um, and that's what we do here. I've, I've just seen it happen many times that when something happens, people always give the benefit of the doubt. They're like, you know, we can't assume that because we don't know that that happens with that person. So it's like, why do we do that? Because love bears all things, love believes all things. That's 1 Corinthians 13. You know, the world is very suspicious, very skeptical, but in, in the body of Christ, with the Holy Spirit making us one and unifying us and bonding us together, there's always the benefit of the doubt. I go to someone and I give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and this can happen. Sometimes someone may come across to you a certain way in your own perception, but that really isn't their heart. Um, for example, maybe someone um, initiates something, and the idea can come across to you as like, wow, that person's pretty pushy, or I'm just giving an example. But it's really not their heart. They, they are just maybe very much impassionate about what they're doing, and uh, they love, and they are just um, initiating an idea. And so we always want to give the benefit of the doubt, because that's the way God thinks. And so... Um, this is a good quote. To handle yourself, we use your head. But to handle others, you should use your heart. Which, which really means this. It's natural to do the opposite. To let ourselves off the hook while we demand other people to be perfect. Um, assume the right motives from the person you're in conflict with. This diffuses defensiveness and allows you both to focus on solving the problem at hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? is that we don't want to go into a conversation or into a conflict with the assumption that I'm right and they are wrong. It could be the other way around. It could be that you're right and they're wrong. But we want to go into a circumstance, uh, into a conflict, using our heart and being tough on ourselves but easy on people. Because the other way, the way, the way naturally it works is, is that I'm easy on myself and I'm tough with other people. So... Give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to believe the best, don't we? We just want to believe the best. And that really, nine times out of ten, is what's happening, is that people really have a good motive. It's just that somehow something got misunderstood. So uh, number five, um, don't overreact. When conflict arises, it's important to keep in, perspe into, in perspective and react appropriately. Uh, the good question is, is how big of an issue is this? You know, how big of an issue is it? Am I blowing the issue out of proportion? Am I dramatizing this situation? You know, and in a small church and a small team, small things can seem to be huge. <laughs> that could happen very easily. And so we need to remember this question, how big of an issue, issue is this? And here's a good question. Does my reaction match 
in its intensity, meaning I might be responding to an underlying issue or something from my own past. For example, I might be in a situation that reminds me of some painful experience in my past, and it causes me to overreact. And everyone is like trying to figure me out because I'm overreacting because I'm not seeing the current situation. I'm living in the wounds of my past. Sometimes people come into a church and they've really been wounded by other churches or by other circumstances. And, and I've seen this happen. And, and you start talking to them and then they, it's like they almost, they're like, they start talking to you like, wait a minute, you know, uh, are, we, are you still talking to me? Or are you still, are you, I mean, I feel like you're yelling at somebody else. And this can happen because there's underlying issues in, in, in people's lives that causes them to overreact. And it's because it's something from their past. And we need to understand that when our response is more intense than the issue at hand, then my response is something about something else. It's not about what's happening here. It's really something that I got to deal with in my own life. It's an issue that I have. And, for example, we may be dealing with, I don't know, I don't know, it's just uh, sweeping the parking lot, for example, I don't know. And, you know, or some, I don't know what it is. And, and someone doesn't want to do it, and then uh, I could react, like, what do you mean? And then I, I could be, I could become insecure, and then get, get reactionary, feel like I've been rejected, my leadership's been you know, all these crazy things that could go on in a person's head. The whole thing is to remember who we are in Christ and not to get insecure. Because the whole thing about conflict is, is that if we are secure in Christ, in the love of Christ, and we know who we are in Christ, and we're growing in that, then what will happen is, is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cool-headed, I love God's law, I love God, I'm living in the love of God, and so I'm not going to overreact. Of course we overreact sometimes, and that's going to happen. And so when that happens, we just, 1 John 1, 9, we just confess it to God, and we just say, God, I overreacted in my mind, maybe I didn't say anything, but I got angry in my mind, and then, and we just like, okay, it's dealt with, and, I'm, and we move forward. And so that's important, and sometimes to realize that Am I reacting to something inside of my own soul? Um, does my intensity of my response match the situation? You know, like, like you know, I think we all understand, right? I don't think I need any more illustrations. Number six, and here's a good one. Um, just be careful that we don't become defensive. And no matter how we feel in a conflict, and sometimes we feel pretty bad. I mean, it can be pretty... Not a great feeling when we're in conflict, right? It just, we could feel really bad. And we're just like, you know, I don't need to take this. I don't need this. Why, I mean, who is this person? They have their own problems. Their life is a mess. What are they saying to me? You know, we could have our own reaction. We could become very defensive. And sometimes the devil just knows what buttons to push because he watches us all day. People may learn what kind of buttons to push. And... You know, and be very easy for us to become defensive. And there's no way that we can do this outside of being secure in the love of God. But when, and I'm talking now about maybe extreme cases that, uh, you know, sometimes we may feel a little insecure about what we're doing and how we're doing. Am I doing a good job? And we're kind of asking ourselves these questions. Am I valued? 
in what I do. People love what I'm doing. And then someone may actually at that moment say something to you, you know, like, hey, you know what? Can I suggest you do this a little differently? And then we get all defensive and, and it's like we kind of interpret that as an attack and we feel threatened. And that's not, that's, that's just, that we should never take things personally. Don't take it personally because uh, if you're feeling, if we're feeling, and we all get this way, everybody, all of us, sometimes we get a little insecure about how I'm doing, you know, am I doing a good job or did that come across okay, you know, and sometimes people will ask you, did that, was that okay, did that come across okay, and people may ask you that because they're looking for, they may be feeling a little vulnerable at that moment, and we want to give people God's mind at that point. We don't want to take advantage of that, beat somebody up or manipulate them. We want to just encourage them and say, and just speak God's mind. And I'm sure that's happened to all of us here. Maybe even this month, somebody's come to you and said, hey, was that, did I, was that a good job? You know, and we just want at that point, um, build them up. And if someone comes to us, maybe in a way that we interpret threatening, we may feel we want to get defensive, but just get quiet and listen to them. And maybe you don't even have to say anything at that moment. Just say, thank you. I'm going to think about that. And, and then just deal with it with you and God. Um, we never want to take on a spirit of accusation. And that's really the spirit of the devil, isn't it? The spirit of accusation. He's the accuser of the brethren in John chapter 8. And he accuses the brethren night and day in Revelations 12, 10. The accusational spirit. And you know, sometimes in an organization, in a church, people can feel, they can feel like that they are not being heard. And what that'll create is, is um, a kind of a aggressive um, uh, attitude when, and, and suddenly they may just make a, a, just a very random hurtful statement and, and that's because uh, maybe they are not taking their complaint to God or maybe they don't understand how to communicate or maybe they're just the pastor's not listening to them. That's why communication is so important. And remember, communication is based on Matthew 18, 15, that if I have an issue with somebody, I don't want to take the whole posse, <laughs> run down that one individual, trap them in a corner and put them up against the wall and just, you know, overdo it. We want to go to a person alone and say, you know, if someone has an issue with somebody else, remember, always go to that person. If someone comes to you and say, I got an issue with, with, uh, with Carl, and the first thing I'm going to say is, you know what, have you talked to Carl? Like, I don't need to get involved with this. Well, I well no, I haven't. Well, I don't know the situation. I'm not, maybe I know a little bit about the situation, or I wasn't there when that was said. I think you need to talk to Carl one-on-one. And, um, and that is just so simple. It just, it just prevents so many, so many issues. And so being defensive. Um, and if, if we ever feel that defensiveness, it's like, okay, you know, I feel vulnerable but I'm going to go to God with it because I know God loves me and God knows my heart. And, uh, and this is a very big step of maturity that we grow in and learn how to handle. And you know what? Maybe you're not having conflict, but maybe you're, in, you're exposed to individuals that are having conflict. 
Uh, you can be a peacemaker. You can go into the situation and make peace. And then lastly, um, and this is a tough one, number seven, uh, don't run from risk. You know, we choose vulnerability. Um, there's a book out there, a great book on leadership, and the first rung on the ladder of leadership is vulnerability. Anyone that is going to have any measure of leadership in their lives or in the church or in Christianity always takes that first step of vulnerability. They make themselves vulnerable. And that's why a lot of pastors quit these days. They just they can't put up with, number one, they don't have the grace nor the training to do what they do. They don't have the wisdom because they've never been properly trained. Uh, but don't run, from the, don't run from vulnerability. And it's painful, but when we're vulnerable, this being the hardest part, when we're faced with a potential for conflict, we may be tempted to disconnect and distrust, uh, thinking that we're going to avoid pain. But the reality is, is that everyone in a relationship gets hurt. That's what relationships are about. Relationships are when people open up their hearts and their lives and availability, and sometimes people get hurt. And the beautiful thing that we have in the churches is that that we don't look at each each other after the fallen nature, after the flesh, but we're looking at each other and who we are in Christ. And that is a process. God has to teach you how to do that. God has to teach us how to look at other people after who they are in Christ. And so I think it's a good decision to make the choice to take the risk in being hurt then keep people at a distance and that means that there is a bit of a risk you know and we're going to close with that is that as a church as an operation as a, as a you know as a as a mission oriented organization with a real sense of mission um, we expose ourselves to be taken advantage of to be hurt to be misunderstood to even be accused of things that we don't even do and I'm not I don't sense that's happening right now, but that will happen. You know, if you take a if you take a a step and a stance in an area, um, you may find yourself in the middle of a conflict where you're just being absolutely misunderstood, misinterpreted, and maybe people will be sure about that, but they're sure they're wrong. And the idea is is that we just want to understand our attitude that we have thick skin, a soft heart. We want to make sure that our relationship with the Word and in God is really strong because that's going to get us through conflict. And the idea is is that um, in principle we don't want to move, but there are some things that we want to really seek unity because what is the devil really after? The devil really is after unity. And I'm sure at some point down the road in our church that's going to be attacked. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it will happen. I'm sure that... The devil's going to come after people and want to attack our unity. And we see that happen in a lot of churches. But the key really is, is if we understand how to deal with conflict and we understand how to um, uh, not take things personally when things happen, then at that point, I think we have, a, we have the advantage over the devil and over the, over the atmosphere. So... And that's when we can truly grow, and that's when we can truly be used by God, because, you know, um, we understand that 
We're in the love of God, Psalm 119, 165, and nothing's going to personally offend me. And if I get personally offended, then I can deal with that with God. Okay, so do we have any questions or comments on that?